Hello, everybody, and thanks again for coming on today and watching and listening to It's a Football Podcast. I have a new co-host today. Safed is out, but we're joined today by Parker Gabriel. He just joined USA Today. He is now going to be our Broncos beat reporter. Parker, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I I have to say I probably can't fill Safed's shoes, but I will... (laughs) Especially on the hot take front, but I will do my best to uh, fill in. (laughs) Well, it's a pleasure having you on today. And, you know, in a football podcast, we like to keep it fun. We like to keep it lighthearted. We kind of poke at each other a little bit. Producer Emily chimes in. But we want to start off today talking about Tom Brady. He's having the offseason of his life. He's probably living his best life. I remember a few months ago... He announced his retirement, and I thought <laughs> that was it. Right. And then um, I was actually going to a Lakers Phoenix Suns game, and then he announced he was coming back to play. So that threw my NBA watching like all off. I was going to the game, and that happened. And now you know he has this you know huge off season where he just signed a um, deal ten years. $375 million to be an analyst for Fox Sports when his playing days are over. He's riding a bike all over New York, living his best life. Um, he challenged LeBron to a, um ice hockey shootout. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> Tom Brady, he's 44. He turns 45 August 3rd. He's just having the offseason of his life. What do you think of Tom Brady's offseason, what he, he's been doing this year? Well, as it turns out, the worst part of his offseason was when he retired. So it's like a few weeks and was like, oh, wait, never mind. Uh, comes back. Then it's like, man, Super Bowl contender. Um, you know, he's got like obviously Bruce Arians uh, re- retires or, you know, steps away, but he's still got Ty Bowles and Byron Leftwich Like it's all set for him. And then even that's not the best part of his offseason. You know? <laughs> 375 million kind of like starting whenever he wants. Um, that's that makes for a pretty good offseason, no matter like what else is going on. But to get to come back and play and then to have that opportunity and that money uh, in front of him, sort of like on his own timeline, uh, whenever he decides he's finally done playing, actually done playing uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good, pretty good few months for, for Tom Brady. You know, I'm excited because, you know, Tom Brady, after he's retired, he's moving into sports media and he's raised the bar with that three hundred and seventy five million dollar contract. So maybe we can kind of rising tide lift all lifts all boats, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Maybe we can, you know, negotiate, you know, our next deals and get, you know, get that seven figures, eight figures, maybe nine figures. I mean, who knows? Who knows? (laughs) The possibilities are endless for you and me, Tyler. (laughs) so as far as i know you cover a lot of the broncos but what do you think about the bucks offseason as a whole do you believe that you know they're going to be super bowl contenders once again with tom brady in the fold or do you think father time is once again going to knock on that door i mean father time is undefeated and tom brady's has been defying it for his whole career, especially in his 40s. I mean, he's had a Hall of Fame career from late 30s to 40s. You know, in my opinion, I do think we're going to see a little bit of age start seeping in, a little bit. Now, I still think he'll be one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. 
but it's hard for me to think and to realize that a 45 year old man is going to start NFL games at the quarterback position. And I know quarterbacks might as well have flags on. They barely get hit. Tom Brady gets the ball out fast. But, you know, when you're that old, your arm strength, you got to worry about, obviously, your athleticism, your quickness, you know, timing, quick twitch muscles, which quarterbacks have to use. So I do think that naturally that is going to all slow down and age is going to be a factor. Um, But Tom Brady, I I believe he is so good and still able to play at a high level because of his football IQ and his intelligence. He has seen everything. He has seen all types of defenses thrown at him, and he just knows how to play the game from a mental and psychological standpoint. So I think that is his advantage, and that's why he's able to defy father time a little bit. But Sometimes when you're <laughs> mid forties, yep. that does, it does not matter. And I do think later on in the season, when it gets to week ten, week eleven, week twelve, all the wear and tear is going to start to show a little bit. And even if they do make the playoffs, I don't have them uh, going to the Super Bowl because it's just you got a forty five year old yeah. man out yeah. there, and then a team that's pretty old as well around him yeah it's going to be interesting to see when the you know at some point sometimes with core groups that are veteran groups they go from being veteran to being old um Mm -hmm. and you kind of try to you know you want to be veteran obviously you want to you want to have experience and they certainly have that and that's one of the reasons why you figure that they'll they'll be in the conversation is because um they've got guys that have 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 been there and done that the defense should be uh pretty salty uh, again this year, and, and obviously he's got some weapons around him. I was thinking, I was thinking about the uh, the broadcasting deal, and and like the, I wonder if that's what like he, clearly there wasn't enough to have him stay retired this year. So maybe like thirty seven and a half million will be enough to convince him uh, next time he's got next time he's got designs of retiring. But I also wonder. I mean, just because it's it's a you know, there's been other guys who you've sort of assumed or, or even known probably had a future in broadcasting after, but mm-hmm. to have the terms supposedly sort of like worked out already. I mean, Tom Brady is an incredible competitor and athlete and, and an all time great, obviously. But I wonder like if it were me and it's not obviously, but if it, I, like, <laughs> it, it would just be like a hard thing to not have like creep into your mind at some point, if you're hurting in the middle of the season or, like, you know, you're struggling or whatever. Like, don't you think it'd be hard to, like, I mean, keep your eyes fully on the prize and not at least wander to, like, man, I can make more money in the booth whenever I want pretty much at this point. Yeah, especially when you have 300-pound defensive tackles yeah. and 280-pound pass rushers yeah. <laughs> hitting yeah. you and sacking Aaron you Donald all the time. Aaron doesn't want to see me at center. I'll tell you that right now. Aaron <laughs> Donald doesn't want to see me at center. I'll tell you that right now. That's a familiar voice that I uh, recognize. And I I do believe the Rams and the Bucks play this year. So Aaron Donald might make uh, Tom Brady kind of uh, rethink his decision making this (laughs) offseason. Yeah, Uh, it's a it's a it father time comes for everybody, like you say, Tyler. But um, 
the guy down in Tampa has done a pretty good job of staving him off so far. So it'll be right. uh, every time. I mean, you always think like, man, it's got to happen at some point. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe a little bit, but some pretty good, all things considered, for going to year <laughs> 23. This news of Tom Brady last week, if you remember, came right before the contract is was in question between Drew Brees and NBC and the um, the broadcasting contract they had there. So he came out on Twitter and, of course, said, despite speculations from the media about my future, this fall I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on my business and philanthropy. I may train for a pickleball tour, senior golf tour, or coach my kids. Um, Obviously, then the New Orleans Saints coach had to come out and say he thinks that's in jest. But, again, we're living in a day and age uh, that nothing is. So what do you guys think about uh, Drew Brees getting a little snippy at the the thought that people are saying he was one and done at NBC? Well, I think Drew Brees, and again, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think he realized that the whole sports media and being an analyst is harder than it looks and it's more work and more time consuming than it is. And so he realized that after a year and he wants to enjoy retirement life. And Tom Brady's going to have to face those same questions as well. Um, based on what I've seen from Drew Brees, uh, his last time playing football, he should not come back. <laughs> now, that that I know he's younger than Tom Brady, but his athleticism, his arm strength really tailed off. And, you know, he was throwing probably just as bad as Ben Roethlisberger towards the end of his career. And I think, you know, for smaller players like Drew Brees is and uh, players who, you know, don't rely on, you know, arm strength, his ability to be successful as a quarterback hits him a little bit harder because, yes, he relies on, you know, accuracy and everything. But when you don't have the arm strength and the velocity to get it there, that it affects your overall ability as a quarterback. And so for shorter players and players that, you know, are a little bit, you know, behind the eight ball as far as arm strength like Drew Brees is, when father time hits you, it hits you harder. Now, Drew Brees, uh, he's a student of the game, just like Tom Brady. His football IQ is there. But I just think his age is settling in a little bit faster than Tom Brady, who, you know, the Tom Brady uh, B- B12 die or whatever you call it. He does that, and I don't know what <laughs> Drew Brees' uh, workout <laughs> regimen is, but it's not on Tom Brady's yeah. level. So I think it's just a little bit different situations. What do you think, Parker? Yeah, it's t- I mean, it's tough, right? Because if it didn't go, I mean, if if the sports broadcasting thing wasn't, you know, didn't go the way he thought it was going to go, um, and, and, you know, you think about wanting to do something else, I mean – Guys like that. I mean, no, no one wants to come off like either a, you know, they're they're quitting it and saying, nah, this isn't for me. I'm going to go do something else, or that you know they got fired. Like that's not that's not a fun thing to go through either. And so I mean, you can understand the the pickleball reference and the long list of things that I, hey, maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll I'll do that. But you know, it was interesting. It sort of set off a little bit of a scramble uh, for the Saints, uh, for, for Dennis Allen, obviously, and and uh, the staff there in terms of reacting to it. I mean, certainly, like, there'd be no shortage of interest if he uh, dialed up the seriousness of wanting to come back. I mean, that would 
that sounds like a massive headache to me uh, if you're if you're affiliated with the Saints. But um, yeah, I mean, look, there's when when you've had the career he's had, the, the, you got the whole you got the whole world in front of you. And if one thing broadcasting didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, then you can do a lot of other things. I would not want to draw Drew Brees in the opening round of the pickleball tour because <laughs> I feel like he would have something to prove uh, on the court, and that that would be a tough assignment. Like, imagine you're just like you know you know, Joe Smith or whatever, and you show up to your local pickleball tournament and suddenly there's Drew Brees across from you, that would be quite a, that'd be quite a surprise. Yeah. Uh, it'd be quite intimidating as well. Are you a good pickleball <laughs> player, Tyler? I, I have never played pickleball <laughs> before, so I cannot say I'm good. Are you good? I we, we had, it was part of gym class when I was in high school, but it's been, okay. it's been a long time since I played pickleball. Probably not. I would get, well, you've already guess. you played yeah, since you played before, you can probably beat me. So <laughs> you can beat one person. But at least. That's all right, producer Emily. As we got to do sports plus pickleball tournament coming at you. And now, Parker, we're going to talk about uh, Deshaun Watson. Obviously, this is a sensitive subject. He's facing civil suits of sexual misconduct. Um, he went to Texas uh, earlier this week and met with NFL officials. Uh, the NFL is um, actively investigating um, if he violated uh, the league's personal conduct policy. Um, and also with Deshaun Watson news, he is uh, taking his teammates, mostly on the offensive side, right. uh, to the Bahamas. He's hosting them um, this weekend. Um, NFL sources told me that they're actually leaving on Thursday and they're going to be there through the weekend. So that's, you know, uh positive trip but you know this is obviously a sensitive subject like i said before and it's just you know telling that this situation is still very fluid um he might indeed be suspended multiple games um this season um in my opinion i do think he's going to be suspended probably in the realm of eight games i would not even be surprised if he was suspended for the entire year yeah, well, on the timeline, I think one of the things that remains sort of unanswered so far is when when the decision from the investigator, uh, you know, that was agreed upon between the Players Association and the NFL is actually going to make a decision because she could wait until the civil litigation is settled. But that could that would potentially, I think, Tyler, push the timeline past this season. I mean, that they've agreed to not have the trial um, according to the the story I read in our on our website, um, between August first and, and March first, or something like that, essentially because of the NFL season, and so that would mean if you were going to wait, you know, if the investigator was going to wait to levy a decision until after the litigation's passed, that would potentially mean talking about you know a decision and potential um, discipline, you know, for Deshaun Watson on the NFL side in 2023 rather than this year. But there's also, as far as I'm aware, nothing that says that she has to wait for that litigation to pass. So that to me, like one of the things this summer, there's a lot of layers are obviously extremely serious allegations just from purely a timeline perspective. I think one of the things that, you know, fans wonder that the Browns and, and Deshaun certainly are wondering and, and that a lot of people are going to ask about between now and, and August is, uh, is he facing suspension this year, next year, or you know, or will he not? It's hard to imagine that 
there'll be no discipline involved, like you say. But um, when we learn about that, I think is very, very up in the air still. Yeah, you know, I've been covering the NFL for a long time, and they've always been about protect the shield. And the optics of Deshaun Watson playing, playing a yeah. full season this year when he's facing all these, you know, lawsuits off the field, though that's something the NFL does not want. <laughs> they don't want that bad publicity and bad press. And it's just hard for me to fathom the NFL um, allowing Deshaun Watson to play a full season this year right. when he has all that going on off the field. In other serious news this week, Tyreek Cohen suffered a very public injury. He ruptured his Achilles tendon while working out on Instagram Live. And unfortunately, it's just been the latest of kind of tragedies that he's been going through over the last couple of years. He released a Players' Tribune letter to my younger self about a week ago. Um, and in that letter, he talked about that season where he ruptured his MCL and his ACL right after signing that three-year extension for $17 million, um, 12 guaranteed. But little did the fans know because a lot of them were critical and the Bears fans were kind of coming at him for not coming back quickly. They didn't know the extent of the injury, but they also didn't know, like we don't know many of times, what some of these players are going through off the field. Um, Cohen had a twin brother, Tyrell, who was electrocuted in 2021 while running from the police. He also, his younger brother, Dante, was paralyzed from the waist down in 2019 after being shot in the head. He survived, but again was paralyzed. There were evictions, police visits, and other things that his family was going through. And there was a lot of weight, he wrote in the letter, about balancing this success and this dream that he had with what his family was going through and some of the guilt that that brought. Um, and then in, in addition to that, this year, earlier this year, um, the, it was also shared that his younger brother, Dante, who was paralyzed, had also passed away. And so this is just a guy that, you know, he caught a break. He's a very small guy, very talented player, but um, has just been faced with a lot of tragedy. And not knowing all of that, that Instagram video would have been really painful. But on top of all of that, this player has really been going through a lot. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, Tyler, what, what your take on when you hear kind of this very humbling human element of what these, these guys are going through. Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, he has gone through some unprecedented tragedy and grief and trauma that is going to unfortunately stay with him probably for the rest of his life. And if I was a person talking to Tyree Cohen, I would definitely tell him to, you know, seek some professional help because no, nobody, no human is equipped to deal with that type of drama. And it's happened in a relatively short time frame. So, you know, just the human element of, you know, having tragedy, personal tragedy with your family and, you know, people dying, death, that grief and that trauma. And then being injured when you, you know, you're relying on your body. And anytime you suffer an injury as an athlete, it's a shock because you don't expect to get injured. And obviously you're not playing to get injured. And as a running back to tear uh, knee ligaments, that's brutal. And that could be career uh, derailing, career threatening. It could end your career. We've seen several running backs 
suffered career-ending knee injuries. And then he was coming back from a knee injury and rehabbing on Instagram Live, and then he ruptured his Achilles. Those are the two worst injuries for a running back. For probably any athlete to tear ligaments in your knee and then rupture your Achilles. Those are the two worst injuries. And unfortunately, I can relate to this because I've torn my Achilles before and I've torn my ACL in the same leg, in (laughs) my left leg. So I have, I know firsthand how bad it can be for an athlete and how it, it affects you every day yeah. for the rest of your life. So I sympathize for Tyreek and not only off the field, but on the field. It, it's just a, a terrible, terrible situation. I feel so bad for him. And I, if I was a person and his friend or his close confidant, I would definitely tell him, you know, it's probably good to, you know, talk to somebody to get professional help because that's a lot of trauma that he is dealing with in a short period of time. And when he was on the field for the Chicago Bears, he was definitely an impactful player. He surprised a lot of people. Um, he went to North Carolina a and and HBCU. There are not many uh, HBCU uh, athletes in the NFL. I went to HBCU, so shout out to him for, you know, representing North Carolina a but, you know, just – I feel so bad for what he's had to endure uh, these past few months and, you know, this past year. Uh, it's been just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy for him. So thoughts and prayers to Tyreek and his family, and I hope he has a speedy recovery. Yeah, and, you know, one thing about, like, athletes getting injured, right? You hear athletes all the time talk about one of the hardest parts of of rehabbing from injury is the isolation of being away from your teammates and, you know, and, and that element of it. And so given what he's gone through outside of the injury, I mean, and now facing another long and arduous rehab from, from a torn Achilles, that's just a lot of time away from the, the place that a lot of athletes find as sort of the sanctuary, right? Being in the locker room, being around the guys, being on the field and all of that. And so to, I mean, like you said, Tyler, I mean, it's impossible to put into perspective how difficult and how overwhelming all of that um, that he's been through in the past couple of years is uh, in and of itself. And then to have already spent so much time away from the team rehabbing the knee injury, now to be facing that again. Um, and like you say, I mean, not only do you not play to get injured, nobody does, but just to have it happen in such an innocuous, like working out in a gym, doing a ladder drill and to, and, and to just know, I mean, you could tell the videos, you know, really sad. You can just tell right away. You obviously know what it is um, that happened, and yeah, it's um, it's a that's a that's a tough one. Um, and and obviously, just wish the best for him and and his family because that's uh, that's more than anybody should have to have to go through. Yeah, and the element that he was on Instagram Live, so everybody oh. saw it. Yeah, and then he's a free agent, so he's trying to get another job in the NFL and trying to prove to teams that you know he's ready and his knee is fit. And now he has to start yeah, the cycle all over, all over again, yeah. and probably an even worse injury. It's just a very unfortunate situation, but we hope and pray for the best for Tyree Cohen. It'd be a heck of a story um, if he uh, if if he yeah. if he ever makes it back on the field. I mean, that'd be 
that'd be a triumph for, for all time probably. So now we're going to transition to more uplifting news and yeah. happier NFL news. Uh, some cornerbacks are getting paid, paid. Uh, and getting paid a lot of money. Jair Alexander from the Green Bay Packers it signed a four-year, $84 million deal. And then James Bradbury is going to the Philadelphia Eagles after being released. He agreed to terms today with the Eagles. Um, let's start with Jair Alexander first. You know, the Packers drafted him. Uh, he's homegrown to that uh, team. They, you know, groomed him and really developed him. And he's turned into one of the best cornerbacks in football. And I just think from a team perspective and a um, philosophy perspective, the Packers have had an adjustment this offseason. They have invested in their defense yeah. more than they have in their offense. We all know that they lost Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver in the National Football League. They did try to replace him in this year's draft, but they have really spent money and invested in that defense. And to me, it's telling Aaron Rodgers, you know, we still think you're the best quarterback in the league. And, you know, we realize that, you know, you can't do everything, no matter if you're a multi-time MVP winner. But defense, at the end of the day, we still believe wins championships. And we believe with your talent, with your Hall of Fame credentials, you can still get us to the promised land on offense, but on defense, we're going to help carry you too. And our, we're going to rely more in our defense and not rely on your arm to score 30, 40 points a game to win. So I do like what the Packers are doing. Uh, you know, it's an unfortunate loss that they, you know, had to trade Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams wanted to leave Green Bay. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be closer to home. So I get all that and I get why he wanted to play for the Raiders. But for the Packers, they, I think, are still one of the upper echelon teams in NFC. I still have them being a Super Bowl contender, even with the loss of Devontae Adams, because of what they've been able to do on the defensive side of the football. Because at the end of the day, I know offense is sexy, and all the offense you know, gets all the media attention and all the hype, but defense still wins championships. If the Rams did not have Aaron Donald, they right. don't win right. the Super Bowl. They might not even be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it, so the, you know, two first round draft picks. Obviously, the the two um, you know Georgia guys with with uh, mm -hmm. Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, and then not only that, but you know Jair Alexander is just the latest. I mean, they signed Devontae Campbell, I think, five years uh, earlier in the off season, and so that's a lot of money and a lot of investment um, on the defensive side of the football. It should, you know, Jair Alexander missed almost all of last year with a shoulder injury, came back and played a little bit in the playoff game they lost. You know, so I think they. They they obviously got to a point, and he got to a point where where they they felt like they were on the on the same page about the extension. Thirty million dollars signing bonus, I read Tyler. That's pretty good. That'll that'll be a good day when uh, when that hits the the account. So um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he's he's a really good young player, obviously, and um, they've they've had an odd an interesting offseason, like you said, with with, with trading Devontae, You know, signed Sammy Watkins. It's so, sort of like outside the. MO of the Packers, right, to go find uh, veteran free agents. But um, at the same time, what's what's not outside the MO is to pay the guy, you know, draft and develop and then pay the guys that you think are core P3 
pieces of the puzzle and, and Jair Alexander obviously uh, fits that fits that for them at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, also cornerback news, James Bradbury uh, signed with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a one year deal worth $10 million. Um, I think that's a really good pickup for the Eagles. The Eagles have had a really good offseason, too. Not only getting A.J. Brown at receiver, but, you know, I like what they did in uh, the draft. And Jalen Hurts has no excuse. (laughs) I think this is a one-year prove-it type of situation for Jalen Hurts because they have really surrounded him with a team ready to contend and ready to challenge the Dallas Cowboys and the NFC. Anytime you trade for a player of the caliber of A.J. Brown and with all the surrounding talent that that Eagles team has, it's really a a prove-it year to see if Jalen Hurst has what it takes to lead the Eagles and to be a franchise quarterback because the Eagles have multiple first-round picks next year, and we all know next year is a really good uh, have as a really good quarterback class in the NFL draft. Yeah, every time a guy goes within a division, so that always adds a layer of, of interest. We were just talking about the Packers, obviously, earlier. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, Zadarius Smith was a cap casualty, basically, there. He ends up with the Vikings. Similar situation here with Bradbury, you know, Giants to the Eagles. And then, you know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not a football expert by any stretch, but I feel like Darius Slay and James Bradbury is a pretty good place to start as your right. as your corners. You know, that's a pretty good pair. And you just see it. I mean, you see it across the league at this point with the amount of talent uh, in the league at receiver. Um, you've got to have guys that you can trust on, on, on the outside. And, and now the Eagles have two of them, um, you know, as, as, a, as part of their defense. And so that's, um, that's a good place to be. You know, it's, uh, it's been – it's, it's interesting, you know, we're going to talk about the, the AFC West in a little while and the sort of like how competitive that division is going to be. I mean, the East, look, I mean, it's I don't know if you look at there and say, like, who's the who's a premier team, who's a Super Bowl threat there. Um, but it's interesting every year and it's certainly not going to be any different, any different this year. And, and that's sort of the latest uh, piece to the piece of the puzzle in that division. I mean, when I look at this Eagles roster, I you can make a case that they have the most talented yeah. roster in the NFC East. I mean, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown at receiver. You still have Miles Sanders in the backfield. Uh, Dallas Gobbert at tight end. I mean, that's a really good offense from a skill position perspective. And then on defense, Fletcher Cox uh, re-signed with the team. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Nicobe Dean, the linebacker yep. that they picked up in the third round, he was a steal. Uh, Jordan Davis, I think, is going to be a freak of nature. Another <laughs> another NFL tackle. team that that drafted multiple Georgia guys, in the yeah, right? Because there was right. like twenty six of them you could take. Yeah, right. I mean, I just think this Philadelphia Eagles team. I mean, they're a sleeping giant with all the talent that they have. But I do want to talk about you know the safety position as well and the defensive uh, backfield. Uh, there are a few safeties that are searching for contract extensions. Uh, Jesse Bates being one of them. Um, I spoke to people close to the Jesse Bates and Bengals situation uh, earlier this week, and uh, I've been told that he has no intentions of uh, participating at OTAs or in training camp. 
the Bengals want him to be their franchise uh, player this uh, season and uh, have a deal on a table for him to sign the franchise tag. Uh, but Jesse Bates does not want to sign <laughs> that contract uh, that's worth uh, around uh, $13 million, and he wants a multi-year extension. So he has not signed a contract, I've heard from uh, multiple sources, and I've heard that he does not want to attend any of the off-season workouts, including training camp, uh, under uh, those circumstances. So I think, you know, the Bengals at Jesse Bates, they're at a rock and a hard place right now. Um, but he is one of those safeties that, you know, uh, is looking for a contract extension. Derwin James for the Chargers is another one. I think he's in a better situation, um, him and the Chargers and his representation. They are, you know, more in alignment. Uh, they are speaking. They have a, a good relationship. And obviously, Brandon Staley, he spoke glowingly of uh, Derwin James this offseason, called him the uh, Justin Herbert of uh, their defense. And uh, they believe he's a pillar of that team. But for the Bengals' perspective and Jesse Bates, it just seems like a totally different uh, situation. Well, I mean, it's this is – if. I think if you want to look at it in the glass half full view, I mean, this is the time of year where this stuff typically bubbles up, right? I mean, the rubber doesn't really meet the road until, um, you know, until camp starts and until they can start, you know, finding him for this, you know, it's not all together. And we've seen players over the, over the course of time, they don't want to play on the tag, you know, they're not. And, and this part of the year, um, is when you can you can make that known and, and sort of stake out your your side and the team stakes out their side and so I don't know I mean from your reporting it certainly doesn't sound like they're in a, a particularly healthy place uh, relationship wise it's obviously becomes a different level of decision for the player and the player's representation to make when it comes to the actual season and, and leaving money on the table and, and not playing I mean at the end of the day like um, it's one thing to to you know put your flag in the ground and, and stand your ground this time of year and it's another thing to give up you know 13 million to to play the season on the tag not that that's that would be unprecedented but yeah it's um this is the time of year where where negotiating happens and sometimes like you say i mean sometimes um it's never comfortable typically mm -hmm. for for teams and players but uh sometimes it's more amicable than others and this certainly seems like an example where it's not particularly amicable yeah. So in this situation, and I think in every situation in uh, sports, in my opinion, I, I, I always typically side with the players. Sure. But yeah. I see both sides in the situation because from Jesse Bates perspective, you know, he's been with the Bengals when they were terrible. Right. When they were 2-14, and 14, the worst team in the NFL. And he's been a part of the team in that transition phase all the way until they won the AFC and went to the Super Bowl. And so he's been a captain on that team. He's been one of the best defensive players. Um, you know, in that 2020 season when they were terrible, he was the only player that went uh, was an all-pro on that Bengals team. So I get his perspective. But then from the Bengals' perspective, they realize, yes, Jesse Bates is one of the best players, best safeties in football. But, you know, we're like all other teams. We got a salary cap. Yeah. And the Bengals soon have to pay Joe Burrow. Right. They 
soon have to pay probably T. Higgins, who's a second-round uh, pick. And then Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> those I guys mean, are not going to be cheap. Yeah, th- those guys, like you said, they're not going to be cheap. And that's for every team. Yeah. All owners and you know general managers, they have to weigh that. With the Chargers, Justin Herbert, he was drafted the same year <laughs> Joe Burrow was drafted. You're going to have to pay him. It's crazy um, how little time you get. <laughs> like if you got to like the best thing you can possibly have in the NFL, right? Is like a young quarterback on a rookie mm-hmm. deal who plays at a really mm-hmm. high level. And even when you have that, if you're a GM or you, or you're in charge of the salary cap, you get to enjoy that for like half a season. And then you're right. like, "Oh man, yeah, this is uh, <laughs> this is great and it's also not going to last." So now we're I'm going pick to pick the Chiefs again. Oh lord, that is a great <laughs> transition. Leave it to producer Emily to cue that sound and play it. I have She's no idea waiting. who that voice is, but we're going to talk about a division we both know the well. Again. Yeah. The AFC West. Uh, you cover the Denver Broncos. I spent a lot of my time covering AFC West teams. Um, the Broncos, man, they've had an interesting offseason, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. It's been no, it's been no lack of uh, of activity here in Denver. Yeah. Uh, so, so as far as uh, Russell Wilson and the Broncos offseason, what is your view of Denver and their overall situation in their team? Well, the the the, the thinking going into the offseason was that if they could figure out the quarterback position, and there was some thinking, you know, last year obviously that they they maybe take a quarterback in the first round. Um, they took Pat Sertan, obviously had a great rookie year last year, and then they you know, cash in some draft chips, including the assets they got for Von Miller, trading him last year during the season uh, to get Russell Wilson. So, you know, uh, we're going to put it to the test, this idea that they were a quarterback away because they've got a really good one now, obviously, with Russell Wilson. Um, They've sort of supplemented um, with some other veteran additions. They brought Melvin Gordon back. Um, They've added on the defensive line. Um, They've added at the linebacker level. you know, K1 Williams into the secondary. And so they've added sort of like complementary pieces. Obviously, you know, Russell's the, the, the centerpiece of the offseason. And so, you know, if you look at over-unders and all that stuff, I mean, they're, they're around 10. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're a playoff contender, certainly. Uh, I know you're going to pick the Chiefs again, but, you know. i Chiefs again. But it's uh it's wide open man i mean it's 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 a quarterback rich division it's been an arms race we talked about Devonte adams earlier um the chargers have have beefed up on defense uh, everybody's added obviously kansas city lost the biggest piece um of anybody in terms of subtractions trading tyreek but they've done work too and and, and tyron matthew leaving there for free agency but they've done work to to add back there too and i mean it's hard to as much as uh, we, you know, the, the audio speaks for itself, right? I mean, it's hard to get mm-hmm. fed against Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and those guys. Again. You're, you're giving Emily way too way much too... ammunition <laughs> right now. <laughs> so she's going wild you... on the on the, right. on the audio button. So what you said is a perfect segue to my question uh, for you: Which um, AFC West move will have the biggest impact this season? I have a feeling you're going to say Russell Wilson, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Yeah, I, I think that I mean that is the direction I'd go, just because that if you if you took that move off the board, like if they hadn't done it, I think you'd be talking about the division as a three team race with Denver being clearly sort of the fourth, where you know they finished seven and ten last year, and his addition puts them in the conversation. How does it make them the favorite in the division? I don't 
I don't know if I'd go that far at this point. Obviously, there's a lot of confidence around the building and, um, you know, he just sort of changes the tenor of, of the expectation in Denver. I do think, you know, one of the after that, though, I mean, it's going to be really fascinating to watch the impact that Devontae Adams makes in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, people know the backstory with him and Derek Carr. They went to Fresno State together. They put up huge numbers. He had like Devontae and Aaron Rodgers had such the like mind meld thing in Green Bay that it's going to be he's obviously supremely talented. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly they sort of recapture that chemistry and what that looks like uh, in Las Vegas because they, you know, they can they can make a push for it too. Anybody in the division can, but he really he and Derek Carr just make for such a fascinating case study in terms of getting back together one off season. How quickly can you get going? So I tend to agree with you. I do think uh, Russell Wilson will have the biggest impact, but a close second is Devontae Adams. Uh, You mentioned how quickly they'll uh, be able to, you know, rekindle their chemistry. They've trained together in the offseason for several offseasons. And as you mentioned, uh, they went to Fresno State and broke records together. I think they'll have a similar type impact uh, of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase had in Cincinnati. not many people watch Fresno State, but they were just as dynamic yep. <laughs> Derek Carr and Devontae Adams at Fresno State as Joe Burrow and Devontae Adams were at LSU. So I do think that connection is going to be really strong in Las Vegas. It's still weird saying Las Vegas Raiders. I don't think it I'll is. ever get you all the way used to that. Um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. That's, they got to get so- they got to get it going quick too, <laughs> Tyler. You know that, that like their their schedule. I mean, they – so I wrote about this uh, last week when the schedule came out. They're regular – they open at the Chargers, and then they go Arizona at Tennessee, Denver at home, at Kansas City before a bye week, week six. I mean, that's – they got – they're going to have to come out guns blazing because their schedule um, is tough right out of the gate. So also in the AFC West, this is a similar question. Um, which team do you think had the best – offseason now is it still the broncos because they signed russell wilson i have a different answer if you have russell wilson i don't think the broncos had the best overall offseason yeah well i know you're going to say the chargers so i'll let you explain whoa, whoa. I, i'll let you explain why your answer is the chargers or am i or am i wrong about that <laughs> i i'm not going to give up my answer yet because i asked oh, oh, first. You, okay okay all right, all right. <laughs> yeah i mean look you don't get to add a Hall of Fame track quarterback every every offseason. So I'll I'll take I'll take Denver. I mean, I think, you know, like I said, it doesn't guarantee anything um, that they're going to be in for it every week. But they've at least put the thought in the other teams in, in the division's mind, too, of like, man, that's that's not going to be that's not going to be a walk in the park um, trying to get two wins, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the division that way. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll 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 take Denver. And now I'm eagerly awaiting your answer. Are you taking Denver because you want to get in Russell Wilson's good graces? You want to be invited to Russell Wilson's Sierra's Christmas parties and stuff. Is that why you're picking Denver? No, if I was going to, if I was going to get in the good graces, it would be by recalling the glory days when we were both in Madison in 2011, which I'm sure he, which I'm sure he remembers as fondly as I do back on the back, you know, they'll say, Oh, didn't you work for the daily Cardinal back in the day? (laughs) <laughs> he will not say that. He will not say well, that. But uh, that was a they, they, that was a pretty good team too back back then. Mm-hmm. I will actually put Denver third 
on my Ooh, list. And right. that might yeah. surprise some people. So then it's, um, let's let's work from the bottom up then. Is KC last? Like you put no, yeah, KC last? K- KC is definitely last. Even yeah. anytime you lose the fastest player in all of football in Tyreek Hill, yeah. not to mention Tyron Matthew, you, you're, you're last. You're last. Yep. I think they took a step back this offseason. Denver at three. That's no disrespect to Russell Wilson. I believe a quarterback is what the Broncos needed. Um, we'll see if that's good enough to get them into the playoffs. Um, you stole my shine a little bit. I'm going <laughs> to uh, reveal my uh, top two. I have the Raiders, number two. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because, and we talked about Devontae Adams, but let's not uh, mention they did get Josh McDaniels, yeah. the head coach. Yep. They did hire a new GM. So it's like a, you know, changing yep. of the guard. They have a whole philosophy change, a culture shift. And hopefully, for the Raiders' uh, vantage point, that that it changes, you know, just the morale of that team because they went through a tough season yeah, last year. Yeah, Let's yeah. not mention all the things they had to endure off the yeah. field. So just kind of the change in that environment, change the atmosphere. I do think that is going to be positive uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. And then yes, I do have the Chargers number one, and it's not because I'm biased. It's, it's for good. It's for good reason. <laughs> it yeah. is for good reason, and they have upgraded not only on offense but on defense. And I really like what they did on defense with the addition of J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. They had one of the worst defenses in all the football, the worst third down defense, uh, one of the worst rushing defenses, and they solidified all their areas, all their holes. So only issue I have with the Chargers is their right tackle position. I don't think they addressed that part of their offensive line. That is an area of concern for the team. Uh, but if they address that, I do think that they've had the best offseason in AFC West. Now, will it lead them winning a division title? That's a, another question. I did pick them in my early did. preseason did. prediction to win the AFC West. I have the Chiefs probably finishing second and then the Raiders and then the Broncos. Yeah. That it's, might anger a lot of the Broncos fans. I know you have a lot of them, but that's my AFC West order right now. Are you, I know you're probably different than me. <laughs> no, no. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe a little bit, but I think that's, <laughs> that could certainly be the way it plays out. And that's, that's the amazing thing about this division, you know, in the off season that has been there is, I mean, you could squint and pick any of them. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you, you, you know, in terms of Denver, like they have a lot to prove, um, you know, given where they've been. And you, you think that quarterback's going to make a difference. You don't know that. I mean, the thing the thing about it is you still got to go beat the Chargers. You still got to go beat the Raiders. You still got to go beat the Chiefs. And so that that I think it's fair to put them, you know, middle of the pack or down just because, um, you know, you, you want to see it. You want to see it mm-hmm. and know that it works before um, you start, you know, putting too much uh, expectation on on Denver. I mean, I, I just think like, I think Mahomes, it's, it's amazing to have this long of a conversation about the AFC West and have the focus be so squarely sort of like away from the Chiefs. And I, I'll pick the Chiefs again. Emily and now she got audio <laughs> of, me, of me saying the same thing. I'm going to pick the Chiefs yeah. again. Uh, the, I, I just, you know, for a similar reason as you can pick Denver down the way, let's, let's, let's give Patrick Mahomes a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. I mean, once they got rolling last year after a little bit of a slow start, um, it looked same old, same old. And, and Tyreek obviously is gone and, and, and Matthew's gone. And those are huge losses. Um, yeah, I think they'll find a way to not maybe fully replace, but 
but um, still be able to be effective. Um, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling's not Tyreek Hill, uh, but we've seen him be an effective vertical threat uh, in Green Bay. So, you know, you at least have um, somebody who can do some of the similar things. Obviously, not the game breaking ability of Tyreek, but um, you know that they're going to be a tough out. And as long as that guy's there playing quarterback, and and he's obviously just coming into his prime. Um, you know, that's, they're, they're hard to pick against. And so, you know, uh, right at the moment, I, I would probably, this probably isn't too far outside the betting line. So I'm not exactly going on on a limb here, but I'd, I'd say chiefs, chargers, Broncos, Raiders, um, but subject to change because, you know, we've seen, we've seen the additions continue to roll in here over the past few weeks and, uh, man, it's going to be a heck of a battle all the way around out, out West this year. Yeah. Um, Producer Emily is going to have some more sound. It is definitely hard to pick against the Chiefs. They've won a division six straight times. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in all of football. But I, I just have a feeling that their run is going to run out. It has to run out sometime. Yeah, it's true. I mean, when, yeah. How long are you going to win the AFC West for a whole decade? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. But it's going to be. It's going to be interesting. I, I have a feeling we should have a, a dinner bet on our AFC West predictions. I always have dinner bets uh, with soffits. So Parker, you and I have to have a dinner bet on the AFC West stand. We'll I was actually come up with the terms. Yeah, I was actually I was meaning to ask you. I'm you know it's busy last Thursday. I have a schedule coming out and all that. But I was wondering what we're doing for Christmas since I'm gonna be in LA for uh, for, <laughs> for that that Christmas Day game, Rams and and uh, Broncos. So just let me know what I can bring to you know dinner. On uh, on the twenty fourth, and then we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we'll have we'll have to talk about that. Well, that was fun, Parker. Thanks for joining and filling in for Soffit. Don't tell best. him I said this, yeah. but you probably better than him at this job. I might you might have to replace but, him. <laughs> I just mean I'm nicer. I'm just nicer to you than he is. That's that's probably that, really what it is. That yeah. that, that is uh, probably what it is. It's a football podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder. Saga.